1: Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and com slash hypergig for details.
2: Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tannerito's. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
3: There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday, so follow The 7 right now.
1: Hey y'all, Eve's here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was April 29, 1854. The Ashman Institute, now called Lincoln University, received its charter from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It became the first degree-granting historically Black college and university, or HBCU, in the country. The university was founded by John Miller Dickey and his wife, Sarah Emlyn Cresson. Dickey was a Presbyterian pastor, and Crescent was a Quaker whose family had a history of service and philanthropy. Dickey was involved in the American Colonization Society, a group established to help free black people immigrate to Africa. He also contributed to the liberation of Rachel and Elizabeth Parker, who were kidnapped in the town of Oxford for sale into slavery. Before the Civil War, it was extremely difficult to get into a white college as a Black person. Many institutions were founded to provide Black students with elementary and secondary schooling, since that education was limited for Black people. A lot of those institutions did not offer post-secondary courses and programs until the early 1900s. But in the 1850s, Dickey had been trying to get a young, free Black man named James Ralston Amos into college. Amos was the treasurer of the fund for a Negro church building that Richard Allen had established at the end of the 18th century. But Dickey's efforts to get Amos into Princeton University Seminary and a religious academy ran by the Presbyterian Synod of Philadelphia failed. So Dickey himself began preparing Amos for ministry— Unhappy with Amos's inability to get into a white institution, Dickey aimed to establish a higher education institution just for black men. In October of 1853, the Presbytery of Newcastle approved Dickey's request for quote, an institution to be called Ashman Institute for the scientific, classical and theological education of colored youth of the male sex. Dickey and Crescent named Ashman Institute after Yehudi Ashman, a social reformer who was active in the American Colonization Society. Ashman was a U.S. representative and governor of the colony in Liberia that free Black people were repatriated to. The Ashman Institute opened to students on January 1, 1857, with four students enrolled. In its early years, the school's education was based in the teachings of Christianity and the Newcastle Presbytery-appointed trustees and faculty. Reverend John Pym Carter became the first president of the university, serving from 1856 to 1862. Since Dickey was providing a lot of the funding from his own pockets, the school did not have much money in the beginning. In 1859, the first three graduates went to Liberia. During the Civil War, enrollment dropped as students enlisted. Ashman Institute was renamed Lincoln University in 1866, not long after President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Its amended 1866 charter increased the size of the Board of Trustees from nine to 21, and the maximum property holding rights were increased. After the Civil War, support for Black higher education institutions increased. The Second Morrill Act, passed in 1890, targeted former Confederate states and resulted in the establishment of public land-grant institutions designated for Black people and the founding of many Black land-grant colleges. In 1945, Dr. Horace Mann Bond, a historian and social science researcher, became the first Black president of Lincoln University. And in 1953, the university began to award women degrees. Poet Langston Hughes, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, poet and musician Gil Scott Heron, and former Ghanaian President Kwame Nkrumah are some of Lincoln's notable alumni. Though Ashman Institute was the first degree-granting Black higher education institution, Cheney University was the first higher education institution for Black people in America. It was founded as a secondary school called the African Institute in Cheney, Pennsylvania in 1837, but it did not award its first degree until 1914. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another day in history.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
1: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God,
3: I'll get you caught up with the seven every weekday. So follow the seven right now.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast that flips through the book of history and tears out a page. The day was April 29th, 1992. Riots erupted in Los Angeles in response to the acquittal of police officers charged with excessive force in the beating of Rodney King. By this point, instances of police brutality had been causing civil unrest in Los Angeles for decades. On March 3rd, 1991, Rodney King was speeding on a Los Angeles highway when California Highway Patrol officers noticed him. King did not immediately pull over, leading the officers on a high-speed chase. He later admitted that he had been drinking and did not want to be charged with driving under the influence since he was on probation from a robbery conviction. King eventually pulled over, and officers from the Los Angeles Police Department arrived on the scene. Lawrence Powell, Theodore Brazino, Stacey Kuhn, and Timothy Nguyen proceeded to restrain, taser, and then beat King. George Holliday, who lived in a nearby apartment, videotaped the beating and captured the officers hitting King with batons and kicking him while he was on the ground. Holliday released the video to the press, which incited outrage in people around the U.S. over police brutality. King was released without charges. Kuhn, Powell, Wendt, and Brazino were charged with felony assault and excessive use of force. Powell and Kuhn were also charged with filing false reports. The sergeant and officers pled not guilty. Because the case got a lot of publicity and there were concerns around the charged atmosphere in Los Angeles County, the trial was moved to Simi Valley in Ventura County. Out of the 12 jurors, nine were white. On April 29, 1992, after seven days of deliberations, the jury found the officers not guilty on all counts, except for an assault charge against Powell that ended in a hung jury. Protesters gathered outside the courthouse. Los Angeles Mayor Tom Bradley called the verdict senseless. As more people across Los Angeles found out about the verdict, riots began. According to news reports at the time, the riots began at the intersection of Florence and Normandy Avenues in South Los Angeles. People burned and looted stores. They pulled some non-Black motorists out of their cars and beat them. Tensions caused by racism, economic inequality, unemployment, a drug epidemic, and frustrations with the criminal justice system turned into politically charged violence in the aftermath of the trial. Los Angeles police weren't prepared for rioting on such a large scale. The mayor called a state of emergency and a citywide curfew was declared. The California governor ordered 2,000 National Guard troops to the city. On May 1st, King made a public appeal for peace, asking, can we all get along? But the riots continued and U.S. President George Bush ordered military troops and riot-trained federal officers to Los Angeles. The curfew was lifted on May 3rd, though occasional violence continued. But by the time the riots were over, more than 50 people had died, more than 2,000 were injured, and around 6,000 people were arrested. Many buildings and businesses were destroyed. After a civil trial, King was awarded a settlement. Kuhn and Powell were found guilty of violating King's civil rights and served time in prison. Wind and Brazino were fired from the police force. LA's police chief, Daryl Gates, was forced to resign. Police brutality and racial injustice remained topics in the national conversation long after the riots were over. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you want to send us any notes, you can do so via social media. We're at podcast. You can also send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow.
3: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.